0: people of God after Easter. After Jesus rose from the dead, after he conquered sin and death, after he proved his might after Easter. And we long for the coming again. Today we're we're beginning a series we're going to be looking at Romans 8 over the next four weeks and, and really what I think part of what Paul is trying to do for us is saying, dear people of God who live in the tension between the already and the not yet. We live after Easter but before Jesus returns Here's what that life looks like. Here's the life in between. Of Romans chapter 8, we look today at verses 1 through 11. This is what Paul says. Hear him. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's Lord, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed, rather since indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you conquered sin and death and hell and every enemy that sought to destroy us. You set us free from condemnation to live before you and under you and with you. Lord God, we live in this world between the not already and the not yet, so we pray help us to live by faith, living by hearing, living by trusting in your word so that we might be your people. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let it all all be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just to make sure you're awake still. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So just so you know, I might just pepper that in every once in a while. Make sure you're still with me. We could call it the Thomasian problem. Or to say it in English that I can understand. The problem that Thomas had. What he saw with his eyes. What he experienced in his bones. What he... What he, everything about his experience and seeing in the world told him that Jesus was dead, but what he heard from his friends later that night was that Jesus was alive. What he saw and felt didn't match what he heard. We could call it by a different name, too. We could call it the Marian problem. She had heard Jesus say to his disciples in her presence before, go ahead of me to Galilee, you'll see me there. She had heard Jesus talk about coming back after three days. We could call it the Marian problem because Mary heard the promise of the resurrection, but what she saw when she got to the grave didn't line up. Her sight didn't match up with her hearing. We could call it the Petrine or the Johannine, the problem that Peter or John had. They, they had heard Jesus at least three, four times say, I'm going to be crucified, died after three days, I'll come back to life. But it's almost like they didn't hear those words. They ran when they heard that the tomb was empty. They looked into the tomb. They, John looked, it's confusing to me, he believed but he didn't understand yet from the scriptures. They had a problem what they saw didn't match up with what they heard. We could maybe even call it the Pauline problem. We're going to be looking at Paul over the next couple of weeks. The the problem that Paul and and the Romans had. See, Paul had been preaching to the Romans for seven chapters now about victory. Victory. If you know Romans chapters 1 through 6 especially, Paul has been unpacking sin and death and forgiveness and justification by faith. And and we're connected to Jesus through baptism so that his victory, his life, his peace that that he accomplished is ours. There's like a string attached to us of baptism so that everything he accomplished becomes ours by faith. Right? He had been, Paul had been saying these things wrong these things. And then Paul gets to Romans chapter 7. He says, "I, I hear that, but I see this. As I look at myself, this is Paul's confession, Romans chapter 7. As Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, he's confessing a struggle. I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm set free, but there's this big but in Romans chapter 7. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's wrong with me. He, he, see, Paul had this problem. He, he heard forgiveness and life and freedom and victory. He knew the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, but what he saw was a wretched man. And all he could do is cry out at the end of Romans 7, who will save me from this body of death? I don't know about you, but I don't even think a mic going in and out can ruin my... Easter is, for me, like this this epic time. It doesn't matter how tired I am. It doesn't matter how grumpy I am. It it doesn't matter how poorly life is going. Easter is this time when, I don't know if you feel this too, but you walk into church on Easter morning, there's a vibe that's going on. You can come into church and the grumpies, like, they, like, they like have to go away. You, you might be grumpy when you leave, but when you're in here with God's people and you're singing, Christ is risen from the dead, and, and you'll only be grumpy if, if I don't, if I didn't, if we didn't pick the right hymn, sorry. <laughs> right, there's something about Easter that, that just heightens our, our, our hearts. We, we step out, we Hear Jesus speak, Mary, our name to us, and we go out into we we we're in here and the, the mood and the energy and everything is high, and then the Sunday after Easter, it's like <sharp inhale> come back next week with a little energy, please. Because <laughs> we hear of victory on Easter Sunday, but the second the Sunday after Easter, it's like everybody died. go to Easter Sunday, right? We're, we're living in this tension between what we hear and what we see and experience. I don't think I have to work very hard to prove it to you. What, what happens Sunday afternoon or Monday? We, we go to Sunday with family, and too often perhaps it turns into Sunday brawl. Right? And we've proved to ourselves once again that, that our victory over sin and sinfulness, it's not yet. You in your way, me in my way, it, it becomes all too clear. I hear victory, but I see sin and struggle. We could prove it to you another way, just to speak to you about the... the we, we say it, Paul says this in Romans 8 later on, we are more than conquerors through Christ who love us, loves us. But what's our daily experience? We are more li- we are more likely like to be slaughtered. Where we go into our life and we're struggling with life. Just getting through the day, just getting through the week. See, what I'm, to, what I'm trying to hold out in tension before you today is we hear victory and forgiveness and conquering and we've, we're winners over sin and death and the devil and life. Nothing can hold us down and what we see and experience, we hear this and what we see something else. I think at the heart of this tension is this problem that we have, that we more often live by. This is you're not there's no fill-ins, but I'm going to put them on the screen anyway. We live by we live we live and we view life by our eyes. Just throw it up there, Jacob or Petrus. We're trying to see and understand what's going on in our lives by looking at things. See that was this problem he he couldn't see it. That was Mary's problem. She didn't see it. That was Peter and John's problem. They didn't see it. They were trying to see what was going on with their eyes. But what I want to set before you today is this simple thing. As Christians, we need to pluck out our eyes and stick them in our ears. We need to start seeing with our ears. We we need to see. How does the verse go in Romans 10? Faith comes by... Hearing. If we are going to be the people of God who live by faith, then we live not by what we see with our ears, but we pluck our eyes out. We put them in our ears, and we live by hearing. That's how Christians see. And so what I want to this morning. Is I want to show you. I want you. I want you to hear the consequences of Easter. Not consequences like you're in trouble. But here's the fallout. Here's what's yours. This is what Paul talks about in Romans. Here's the first one. The the first one is this. Let's talk about its verdict. I'm just going to grab a mic over here because I don't think those will go in and out. Is that okay? Blue, right? Yes. All right. Did you catch that when Paul first starts writing to the Romans in chapter 8? he First thing he does, he takes them to a courtroom. And he, and he says to the Romans, he, he gives them something to hear. Look at it with me if you will. There is, he says it, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to close your eyes and hear me, hear Paul. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, as we stand in the courtroom, the devil will bring his charges. That's what he does. He's the accuser. He's the adversary. He's the one who who knows everything that you've done and he will throw it against you like mud, hoping something will stick against you in God's court of law. Satan is the accuser. So are people around you. They know what you've done too. And they tell you what you've done. And you you feel it. And your own heart testifies against you. Because the things that people outside, people in your life don't know, you do. You do know how you have sinned against your God. You do know, and, anyway, and with those witnesses against us, those testifying against us, we're sitting in in our seats shaking. But then God speaks. There is now no condemnation for those who are in. Christ Jesus. Can you hear him? Can you hear him put Satan in his place? Satan, this is not your place. Can you hear him? Can you hear him send Satan out of the room and saying, listen Satan my son paid the price for this one's sin. My sin died the death this one deserved. My son was condemned in this one's place. Get out of here. This is not a place for you. You, Your voice, your accusation, your slander, it has no weight here because my son was condemned in their place. And then God speaks to you, to your heart. And he says to you, dear child of mine, My son paid the price for your sins. You have no more sins before me. You are acquitted, forgiven, justified. Get out of here. You have no place in this courtroom because you are not on trial anymore. My son stood trial on your behalf. You don't live here anymore. You live in the house my son builds. Do you see the consequence of Easter? There is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the verdict. And then there's the freedom. Number two, the freedom. I don't don't know about you, but I, I, I tend to spend a lot of my time trying to get free. You know, trying to be free of something. Maybe it's free of a sickness or an illness, free of, of debt or a financial load. I'm constantly trying to be free of, of something. And isn't that the way we want to live our lives? This free, free life. I, I I sometimes think about about calves. I, that image in Malachi just hits me all the time. You know, like calves in the spring, like how the, the gate swings open, the calf just goes like, woohoo! Here we go. I, I have a picture in my mind, you, you don't want to get in there, but right. I just have this image of freedom and, and as people, as human beings, it's, it's our desire to constantly try to be free. And we really try to do it in two ways. Well, you think about our kids, how do our kids try to get free? There's two ways they try to do it. They, they try to get free by being really bad. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't like the rules, they don't like the structures, they don't like the authority. I don't like the structure and the authority, so I'm going, to go, I'm going to live outside of that. I'm going to do my own thing. But is that freedom? Did the prodigal son who said, I'm going to do my own thing, did he find freedom? Is it freedom to, to sneak around and to hide and to sneak and all those things? Is that freedom? So there's no freedom in trying to rebel. The other, why, the other way we try to get freedom is by doing the right thing. Right, by by checking the right boxes. You have you have two kinds of we have two kinds of kids. I have both of them in my house. I have more than both of them, but they fall into two categories. The one is like I'm gonna do whatever I want because I wanna be free. The other one is I wanna make my parents happy with me, so I'm gonna check all the boxes. I'm gonna obey, I'm gonna complete, I'm gonna do this so that I can no, it's the bargaining chip your kids have. If I clean my room then can I do this? Right, we're trying to be free to do what we want, so we try to check the boxes so we can get to do what we want. But is that freedom? I suppose in our parents' house we can get to a point where we can get to that place where we've earned the privileges. But how does that leave you if you're constantly trying to check boxes before God? It doesn't? Cuz we never in our walk of faith we never get to that point where we've checked all the boxes. I need you to close your eyes and hear me. I need you to hear what Paul is saying to us. Paul is not saying to us that there's freedom by rebellion. He's not saying to us that there's freedom by living in the house that Moses built. Did you catch what he said? You as human beings, us as human beings, as sinful human beings, we cannot meet the righteous requirement of the law, but somebody else did it for us. Jesus Christ met the righteous requirement to the law in our place and now God says this to you dear child of mine you live in the house that my son Jesus builds he was righteous and perfect and holy in every way and you live in this house now and I don't care what your life out, I don't care what your life in the world looks like because by faith in my son Jesus you are righteous and holy before me. Do you see how that sets us free? We're not chasing a standard. We're living as fully righteous people. We're living as sons in the house of our God. You don't live in the house of Moses anymore. You live in the house that Jesus built. See, there's the verdict, there's the freedom, and then there's the power. I I said a minute ago, a moment ago, that I don't care what your life looks like. And on the one hand, that's absolutely true. Because when it comes to you standing before God as his child, the way we behave, has no bearing on that. Is that shocking for me to say that? The way you behave has no bearing on your relationship with God. You you are righteous and holy before him in every way. And the way you behave is important. See, now you are those who live in the house of King Jesus. And we're not going to live like that anymore. We're going to live as sons and daughters who are in the house of Jesus. So before people and in this world, the life that we live does matter. I can't. Look at verse 9. Look at the power. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. There is something, rather, someone living in you who gives you power to live a new life. God's most Holy Spirit, by whom he created this world, by whom he breathed life into Adam and Eve, by whom he raised his son, Jesus, from the dead, lives inside of you. And I know you don't always feel that. I know you don't always see that, because if somebody asked me, do you feel the Holy Spirit, I would say, I don't think so. But close your eyes and hear me, s- hear Paul say it. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. Christ is in you. The Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. God's most Holy Spirit dwells in you. Hear that. And it's not just the Spirit, it's Jesus too. Jesus, the one who gave sight to the blind. Jesus, the one who healed the lame. Jesus, the one who raised the dead. Jesus, the one who raised himself from the dead. He's in you. And he's moving in you day after day. Even if you can't see it or feel it, it's true. Because that's his promise. That's the power. And then there's the promise. There's the promise of the future. I don't know what you see as you look forward to tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. I don't even know if you're looking that far down the road. Somebody asked me what 10 years from now would look like. I'd say, I don't know. I thought I knew 10 years ago and I'm not where I thought I'd be. But here I am. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're worried about the future. Maybe you're concerned about the future. Maybe you're excited about the future. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. You don't even know what the future holds. We can guess. But our guess is mine. might have never been very good. But this is what I do know. Hear me. Hear Paul. If the spirit, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. I know this. I know that the Spirit who lives in you will give you strength to face whatever comes. I know that the righteousness of Christ and his death on the cross will always be your shield and your guard and your hope in your life. I know that when you lie in the dust of the earth with those who believe to have gone before us, that the Spirit himself will raise your dead bodies from the ground. I know that much about your future. I don't know what it will look like, but I know who will be there in you, with you, around you, before you, behind you, below you, above you, next to you, every day of your life. I've been talking today about living by hearing, not by seeing. Now, I don't recommend that you leave here today and close your eyes while you drive down the street. I mean, it's dangerous to drive down the street with your eyes open. So please don't close them on your way home. Just some friendly advice. And I don't recommend that you pretend that life in front of you is beautiful and hunky-dory, it's going to be hard, but when you, here's what I'm saying, when you have trouble understanding what God has done, and what God is doing, and what's happening in your life, close your eyes, stick them in your ears, and live by hearing, live by the word of your God who speaks to you in his word and by his people so that you live by faith. And in that way, close your eyes to what you see and feel and live by hearing. See, we, in a way... In the, we, take a deep breath and do this again. You don't live in this house, in a way, metaphorically speaking at least. Dear people of God, you live in the house that Jesus builds by his life, his death, and in his resurrection. And in this house, there is no condemnation. In, in this house, there is freedom from death, and hell, and guilt, and shame. In, in this house, there is power to live. In, in this house, in this house, we have hope in a future. Amen? Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.